Okay, welcome back to the United Pubcast. And Larry, can you believe it? After all the doom and gloom, United are dead set on track to win their fourth Champions League trophy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I believe it, mate. We're, like, you know, everyone was like, oh, Liverpool are on their way back. They've won the Champions League. They're six ahead of us, and they're going to get the 20th trophy. This was all part of the plot, Tom. United are on their way back, and it all started today 5-0 against Leipzig. Well, if you look at it, when those balls came out of the group stage draw a couple of weeks ago, when you had PSG, you had Leipzig, everyone was going, this is the group of death. And there was a strong case you could almost look at it and think, geez, United will have to do well to get out of this group. But if you look at it, we beat the last season's finalists in PSG quite comfortably in their own backyard. We just smashed last season's semi-finalists, the team who are top of the league in the team that, against Bayern Munich, who won the Champions League last season. I think simple football math says we are winning the Champions League this year. Uh, I mean, look, I want to keep playing this <laughs> game with you, but... Um, I'll apply an element of realism to it. Look, it was a fantastic result today. I'm not going to lie. It definitely put a bounce in my step. Um, but look, that's the best football United have played this season. I don't think you can debate that. And United can beat anyone on their day. I think we've definitely shown that. Um, PSG are a good side. And Champions League finalists, let's not forget, a small, what, three, four months ago? So United on their day, I, I, while I don't say we're favourites, I think they're definitely an outside chance. But... I think we've put ourselves in good stead to finish top of the group, for sure. Well, we'll get into the game because we might as well spend as much time talking about a game like that as we possibly can. And we've spoken about it so many times. We've said, pick the diamond. It suits us so much. It will suit this player. It will suit that player. We'll get the best out of it. But we've always had a bit of a reservation thinking, well, it looks good on paper. Will it really sort of translate onto the pitch? And does it suit our defensive shape? Will it expose some of our defenders? But, but Solskjaer went for it. I, I predicted maybe a three at the back, but Solskjaer went for it, which he did in that last 20 minutes against PSG. Obviously different personnel this time, but he went for the diamond, which we do have to remember after beating, after beating them 5-0. We do have to remember most of it was with, without Bruno. So he obviously did rest Bruno, played van der Beek in the that number 10 position, which we'll get into in a little bit. But just your first reaction when you saw the team sheet and it came out as that 4-4-2 diamond? I liked it. I really liked it. Um, like yourself, I, I didn't really... I don't know if I expected a back three, but I, I did expect the status quo, four two three one or three at the back. But I was delightfully surprised he went for a formation that, like you say, I just feel like it suits the players we have. Um, it was nice to see Greenwood back in the side. Gee, you almost forget he plays for us. Um, so it was really nice to see Greenwood back and on the score sheet. But I really liked it. Um, I particularly liked Paul Pogba back in a midfield three, and I know we'll talk about it, but boy, oh boy, when he has the roam to push into the box, it makes a hell of a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, well, in that first half, I thought Pogba, that was that was prime Paul Pogba. But we will get into that in a little bit. But we will start on the sort of man who created or, or was part of most of the headlines in the build-up to this match in Donny van der Beek. I just want to get your thoughts on his... Obviously, both wanted him to play, and both of us pretty much had a expectation that he would play. But just when we woke up, it was obviously a 7am kickoff here in Sydney. I woke, set the alarm for 6.30, quickly checked the team lineup and saw Donny van der Beek starting. So I said, OK, this is great. Log on to Twitter to have a bit of a look and see what people are saying. And the negativity around it was going, oh, Solskjaer's given into peer pressure. He's given into the fans and Solskjaer has shown some type of weakness by picking Donny van der Beek and resting Bruno. And it was met with actually a lot, lot, sort of a lot of negativity. And I was just... This is what we've been crying out for. Okay, Bruno's not playing, but it's a squad game. You do have to rotate. We've got a massive game on the weekend. 
But just sure, we've said we've said your thoughts in regards to the diamond. But just Donny Van der Beek's inclusion, just by himself. No, look, I agreed with it. We we both discussed this at length in the last podcast. Um, he needed to get some much needed minutes, and reports have suggested that uh, Solskjaer has guaranteed him more game time. And look, in terms of his actual performance, I don't think he was bad. Um, I would have liked to see him get a little bit more involved. But in saying that, in the touches he had. No doubt about it, he's a quality footballer. You can see technically, I'd say he's one of the best in the squad. Um, but just needs more involvement. And I think that just will come with match sharpness and getting a familiarity for his teammates. Does he push his way back into the starting side? I don't think so just yet. But I think he's definitely shown he's got the quality that should you need a rest Bruno, he's a more than capable. And who knows, he potentially could have a position in the side should we stick to a diamond. Well, the word you just mentioned there a few times was involvement, and his critic his performance did not it didn't get criticised his performance, but I think the main thing did come down to his involvement. He he sort of wasn't sort of getting on the ball as much as he would have liked. Whether that's his fault, whether that's him not getting involved himself, or just the way the game panned out in that number ten position, it was somewhat just somewhere on the pitch he wasn't able to get on the ball. But I thought the two or three times he did get on the ball, I wouldn't say it was a ten out of ten performance, but. I thought he was brilliant at times. Like, and, and some of the things were very simple, just keeping the ball. But he didn't make any mistakes when he got it. Yeah, and that's the thing. I'm not going to be critical because he did nothing wrong. Um, which, um, at the end of the day, like we discussed this before we started recording, that what you want out of a midfielder is you want them to keep possession first and foremost. And Van der Beek did that. Um, but you know the next step for him now will be to have that element of risk to the game, but also just to be more involved. Um, you know, get dirty, come deeper if you're not getting the ball. Um, but look, that will come with time. I, he did show today that he's definitely a quality footballer. There's no doubts about that. Well, we'll get into the actual game, and we will talk on a, sort of a few more individuals' performance. But first of all, and this is hard to say after such a fantastic win and after such a comprehensive win, it was five nil against Leipzig. I look at it and think, Leipzig was so good, I thought. I thought it was a very, especially that first half, everything they did was very, sort of, very methodical, very thoughtful, and they did extremely well. I just thought United were fantastic as well, and, okay, it's very easy to sit here and what a smashing victory it was, 5-0, send them back to Germany, clean sheet. But I thought it was a classic Champions League game. I thought it was a, it was a physical battle, there were a lot of fouls, a lot of challenges flying in. There was a definite tactical element to it, which obviously their coach gets a lot of praise in terms of his tactical approach. Solskjaer gets a lot of criticism with his approach. But I thought it was just European football at its finest in that first half. I'm with you. Um, It was very competitive. And in terms of pure entertainment, this was the best United game we've seen this season. I no doubt about it. It, it, It's clear outright first. Um, It's funny that you say European football and... Personally, as a football fan, and I'm, I'm just keen to see what you think, this is going to be a little bit of a nerdy conversation, but I prefer European football at times. You just see that higher level of technical ability compared to the Premier League where it's so fast-paced, which is fantastic, but you lose that technical element in the game. Whereas in this game, you could tell there were quality footballers all over the pitch. It was the physicality of saying up Meccano against trying to break down the, the niche or the tidy runs, the tidy work of, say, a Martial. Or you so you know when you look at Greenwood's first goal, using that intelligent movement to get in between the defender, who clearly both centre backs for um, Leipzig very physical players. So very very accurate in your assessment to say a European game of football. I thought it was brilliant. 
It depends what you want from football because yeah, if you watch football at the the elite level, if you're watching Bayern Munich versus Barcelona or something, it could maybe get a little bit boring because there are no mistakes. If you go and watch an over 35s game on a Sunday afternoon where some guy's having a drink on the sideline and a cigarette at halftime, they're the best games you'll see because they're full of mistakes and when there's mistakes, there's goals, there's action. So in that in, in the English Premier League game, where it is that fast-paced and intense, the game sort of does allude to... to so it encourages a lot of mistakes and a lot of chances. Where when you do play in Europe and it's such a tactical battle, there's less mistakes, which sometimes leads to less action. But it is in terms of what you sort of perceive and what you enjoy in football. Yeah, I'm with you. But yeah, we were blessed today. Quality football and not just for the result, but as a neutral. And it blew out at the end, but that's that's because it was just two fantastic sides. And I think United showed their quality. Now, speaking of quality, onto some performances. I said in the first half, Paul Pogba, he was the difference. It was a great game, but I thought in those individual moments, he, he did prove key in, that in the Greenwood goal. That was no Look, I don't know if it's the best. We always revert back to the Manchester derby where he scored the two goals. But I thought Paul Pogba, he just looked He looked at home. He looked, okay, this is my position on the left of a diamond, which we've all called for. And he just, it looked easy for him in such a tough environment. Tom, I don't know how many times we need to say it. It's almost the criticism of Pogba because you'd love to see him be more tactically fluid. And this is what we were sort of touching on um, in the last podcast. But when he's played, I can't remember when we discussed this, but it's, we've done it before. He is our best footballer. No doubt about it. Now, I don't, whether you're, you, know, you don't like the way he's carried himself, you, he's too inconsistent. Take all of that aside. Pure technical footballing ability, physical attributes, Paul Pogba is our best footballer. You saw today when you put him in his best position what he can do. And that was quality opposition today. That was the leaders of the Bundesliga as it currently stands. He did it with ease. He showed he was a class above, which he should be. And I think Oli needs to... Well, that, that will be the headache now. It's how do I get the best out of Paul Pogba? Because when Pogba's playing well, there's no doubt to me that the rest of the team plays well. You saw the, the ball he puts through for Greenwood. That's not easy, but he, he does it with such ease because he's got the vision. He's got the ability. When he's played in that number six position, I feel you just remove all of those qualities from him. Yeah, no, I echo your thoughts 100%. I, I thought he's brilliant to watch. And I think I, we'll get into Solskjaer in a little bit. I think one of the big things in terms of this Pogba performance I want to get into a little bit later is Solskjaer's man management because... Pogba's been dropped for a few weeks. So you could easily see Pogba coming into this game and maybe not being completely at it. But he looked motivated. So I want to get in there and give a little bit of... Obviously, Paul Pogba deserves a lot of credit. But I think for Solskjaer's man management as well. But you speak of his involvement in the first goal. And we almost... And I'm maybe guilty of it as well. Almost forget Mason Greenwood plays for us. He's been in and about... got maybe one or two off-field controversies happening at the moment as well. But again, Solskjaer is, I think, dealing with very well. But in terms of Pogba broke through, it was a very tight call that obviously went to VAR. Maybe got the rub of the green in regards to that decision. But Mason, one chance, one goal. Champions League debut. Oh, sorry, not his Champions League debut, but his first Champions League goal. Fantastic finish. Um, the VAR controversy, though, I'm happy with it. Um, in terms of the finish, though, on your left foot shooting a cross goal, again, this is a class footballer making the difficult look easy. That's not an easy finish. And he he did it with class. Um, I liked that, and that was another compliment I want to give that formation. 
I think Mason's long-term future is as a number nine. And in this role, as a pure, when you're playing in a two, you don't have to be so conscious of being back to goal. You can allow maybe one centre, one centre forward to do that. But nonetheless, great movement from Greenwood. He showed an instinct and an understanding of where to be and great finish. I think it was nice to see, and obviously the, the shape sort of did help this, but it was nice to see Greenwood, okay, he wasn't the lone striker, a target man sort of thing. But he was a playing. He was playing as a striker. He wasn't a right winger. He did often find himself drifting wide a little bit. As sort of Martial does the same when he plays through the middle. He does drift to the left. But um, it was nice to see Greenwood play through the middle. And you have to remember, this is a goal on for a Champions League goal for a teenager. This is big. We sort of just think, okay, yeah, just a part of his development. But this this is huge. And he obviously he's got a friend who. Um, sadly, took his own life. Who used to play for Manchester City, who he dedicated the goal to, and he's Greenwood's had a few tough weeks. So, um, I think yeah, we do need to appreciate how good Greenwood is doing, even if it is slightly taking a bit of a back seat at the moment. But we will move on to you and your um, French mate, and you can get your you can get your creme brulees out. But um, before the penalty for Anthony Martial, and I want to get into the penalty sort of not saga, but the penalty issue that happened at the time. But his performance. I said a couple. Of, I said on the last podcast that okay, we can get into his issue of not scoring a goal. That, that that was my main thing. He needs a goal, which he eventually got here. But his performances, this performance, again, I'm not giving a ten out of ten, but I thought he's brilliant. It was definitely his best performance this season, and well deserved a goal. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, definitely his best performance of the season, and starting to get that match sharpness back. I, I I did say a few weeks ago I felt he looks a little bit heavy. I. I don't know if that's just a deception to me. I still look at him and he just still looks a little bit heavy to me. Um, so I'm keen to see what you think about that. But I'm with you. I think his pure number nine game today, much improved. Link up, play good. Didn't give away the ball recklessly. Positional play was fantastic. And got to say, and I know we'll get into him, but very generous of Marcus Rashford and perhaps Bruno Fernandes to give Martial the goal. I think there was much relief on his face um, to break his duck for the season. Well, just, just on that issue, the, the penalty issue, when we were awarded, awarded the penalty, I was thinking, OK, Bruno will take the penalty. Then I was thinking, oh, hang on, Cavani's on the pitch. He might want a piece of this. Martial needs a goal. He wants this. Then my wife was watching the game with me, and she said, Hasn't, isn't Rashford, if he scores, he gets a hat-trick? I thought, geez, she's right. How does, how does she know what's happening? Marcus Rashford could score a hat-trick here. So I was thinking, who's going to take this penalty? And I thought it might just go back to default and give it to Bruno. So sort of just, OK, he's our taker. Um, let's crack on. But um, he obviously he's obviously got a good relationship with Anthony Martial. We saw earlier Bruno tried that dink free kick, which they did against Manchester City, which w- was almost fantastic. But um, fair play to Bruno for giving it to Martial because he definitely needed a goal. Because I think if he put in a very good performance like that and wasn't rewarded with a goal, I think that might have start. Those are the type of things that might start to play on Martial's mind, who obviously is whether we want to call him a confidence player or not. I'm not quite sure. But I think that definitely would have affected him. Definitely when he sees Marcus Rashford come on and score a 16-minute hat-trick. I'm with you. That's a very good point. Like Even when your teammates start scoring goals around you and you're like, I'm playing well, what's going on here? It can really impact a player's confidence. So all around, really happy that um, Bruno, Rashford, Cavani and whoever else was involved in this. Fantastic to see them thinking of their teammate. Um and you could see there was a good embrace amongst the teammates after the Frenchman scores. So, Tom, look, I, I, said, I did say to you, once he scores one, he's going to score plenty. So, eyes on to Arsenal. Um, I think he'll get one there too. 
Well, if his suspension is over, I think he's suspended for Arsenal, but if he can break the rules... Oh, he is too, isn't he? Damn it. Yeah, well, whoever we're versing after that, look out. <laughs> well, we'll get on to, well, the main man, Mark, Dr. Marcus Rashford slash MBE. We'll start on his first goal. Well, a few of the stats, it's his first career hat-trick, but also the first hat-trick from a substitute since, obviously, none other than Solskjaer in that famous match away at Nottingham Forest, where he came on and scored four, but he's on the field for 16 minutes and scored a hat-trick. Now... The first goal, it obviously came, well, it wasn't really controversial, but obviously the way it panned out, it was a little bit controversial. We'll get into the goal. My favourite bit about the goal was his professionalism. The reason I say this, I remember, it might have been maybe two or three years ago when all VAR and the offside sort of rule was type, was changing in regards to video technology. There was an issue, I remember Rashford was playing, it was either League Cup or FA Cup, it was where they were first trialling VAR and the offside call. And a situation arose where Rashford was offside and the ball was squared to him and Rashford would have had an open goal, a tap-in. And Rashford was clearly offside. Well, he was definitely offside. And the ball came across and he didn't put it in the net. And if he put it in the net, it would have been disallowed for offside. No issue. But it was quite close and it did go to VAR. And it was one of those things where he should have just put it in the net just in case. But he didn't put the ball in, so it was definitely no goal. But this one, he could have easily stopped because the linesman put his flag up the Leipzig defenders still were racing back, but not really. It was a little bit half-hearted. So Rashford could have easily stopped and said, no, nah, I'm offside. But he's, he knows, OK, the linesman did do the wrong thing by putting the flag up in terms of the too early, in terms of their new instruction. But Rashford kept going through and just said, OK, if I'm on side, I'll have to make this count. And OK, great goal, great finish, great run. We'll get into the pass by Bruno as well. But my most pleasing thing from that goal was his professionalism and sort of almost understanding of the new rules. Yeah, I'm with you. And that's been the maturity in his game. Um, Obviously, we'll we'll dissect every goal, but you're seeing now, and it's a very tiny detail in his game, but when he was younger and breaking into the side, he never used to have that look up before he shoots. If you notice now, and you'll see it in every single goal today, he's had that look at net, and he's looking at where he's going to place it, and then he's shooting. That's the composure in his game that he really lacked. Um, I'd even say, even at times last year, I know he ended up with a high number of goals, but a lot of those were penalties at the start of the season. This year, not on penalty duty, but he's showing that real maturity in terms of his finishing. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to see it. You know, he's I think he's 23 this year. It's the time for him to kick on. And seven goals, I think, now in nine games. So he's, he's tracking well. And we've only dissected the first goal. So... That wasn't my favourite of them, but um, nonetheless, uh, the most cl- the most pure finish. Well, we'll get into his other goals, but not just his finishing in terms of what you just mentioned there, but the reason his performance is so good, and, and we're criticising when he's tried to play football, when he's had time to play football, that's when he almost overcomplicates things. All these three moments, all three goals, he wasn't thinking. It was just, okay, ball comes, I'll do my next job. It was all off the cuff. It was just direct. And that is when Rashford's at his best. So, We've discussed this before, if he's going to be world-class or he isn't going to be world-class. He has all the attributes to be fantastic in the moment. And when he's not thinking, when he's just directing, just going, okay, my next job is this, and he's not trying to overcomplicate things, you you see this. You see a hat-trick in 16 minutes. So we'll get on to the second goal. And obviously, this has another element in terms of the defender he went past, in terms of Upamecano. He left him for Tosa. I don't know if Upamecano is worth forty million or fifty million. Um, this could knock off five or ten million off the price for Woodward. Yeah, I think I was just about to say that. I think after the game, the biggest praise will actually come from Woodward, not Rashford's teammates. He'll be like, "Mate, thank you so much. You just took ten million euro off his price tag." 
So, if you know, January transfer window is there. Um, and if you're following reports, he's he could potentially be on the move. But look, nonetheless, great movement by Rashford. Um, does leave up a Makano for toast. And again, another great finish. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I think that's the thing. A lot of the attention of that goal did go to Upa Makano's defending. And okay, he, yes, he should do a little bit better. But it's a great, I wouldn't say a great bit of skill by Rashford, but it's a great little bit of play just to shift the ball and use his pace to get around him. And the finish was just... It was lethal. It was one of those finishes where you get on FIFA where you're just in front of the goal and you just know, just hit, hit it hard and you know it's going to go in. And Rashford, it was just a confidence in front of goal, which was great to see. And obviously the third goal, I wouldn't say an easy finish, but Martial does the hard work. Martial started on the left wing and said, just sort of, I'm just going to go direct, play direct, got the ball into Rashford with a nice little ball. One touch, one touch to control, one touch to finish, and it was almost expected when it fell to his feet, he said, this is going to be a hat-trick. Yeah, his confidence is rocket high. And Tom, we've sort of discussed this on this podcast numerous times and I want to put it to bed, but it's when you see this, you can't help but discuss it. I can't help but wonder if Martial is almost better in that left side left side channel and Rashford centrally. Now, it could be because it was a two-striker system and taking into account here, I think at one point we had Cavani in the hole, um, Rashford and Martial up front. And then you had Bruno on one side of the midfield and Fred on the other side, etc. And, but nonetheless, I thought that Martial did tend to drift left when Rashford was on the field. And Rashford's done his best work in this game centrally. So is this a case of United playing a two-striker system and Rashford just complements that well? Or is it a case of maybe Rashford's getting the maturity in his game to actually operate as a number nine? Yeah, I don't know what to make of it. And, and you, you could sit here and dissect it and complicate things, but I just think we've got the type of attackers, whether they be in midfield, where, like a type of player like Paul Pogba or Bruno Fernandes, who are so creative, but also those front three in terms of, look, ideally we were going to go for Jaden Sancho, but now you have a Mason Greenwood and Martial and Rashford. So many of those players, you can't nail down what their position is. They're just good footballers. And in that attacking third, in that final third of play, you just want players to be off the cuff and do their own thing. So, look, we've had this debate with Martial. Is he a striker or is he a left winger? He has one good game as a striker. We say he's definitely not a left winger. His centre forward is his future. He has a quiet game at centre forward. Then a good game at left wing. We say he's the next Terry Henry off the left wing. So, it's a, it's a hard one. I'm sure our opinion will change next week. Um, but it's a good problem to have because Martial is performing well. He just needs those goals now. Um, and hopefully that penalty um, that sort of does kick him on his way. But we will get on to... Solskjaer, who was up against it. Go back to the Newcastle game, before that Newcastle game, when everyone was looking at these fixtures. You had Newcastle, you had PSG, you had Chelsea, you had Leipzig. Obviously got Arsenal on the weekend. We've got Everton coming up soon. It was a daunting set of fixtures, but he's killing it. And the main question I want to ask to you now, or sort of point I want to direct towards you, is what do you think is more impactful in terms of his job security and whether this is going to impact him making the top four or not? Possibly it will. Just in terms of the two points I want to give you, what do you think has more of an impact in terms of pressure? In terms of, do you think it's him dropping points against lesser sides, let's say a Crystal Palace or a Brighton or a West Brom, or the impact of winning these big games like a Manchester derby, like PSG, like Leipzig 5-0? Like what do you think holds more weight? Do you think Woodward will see these big results in big games and think, okay, he's the man? Or do you think it's these lesser results against, I don't know, West Ham or Brighton who we don't take the three points or go... Hang on, this isn't the man. That's a difficult question to answer. Um, I think 
it's not as straightforward as that. If you're Woodward, you are going to look at the context of the season. What's more important to me is the league. I think the league is the league's your bread and butter because that's where you need to show consistency. The Champions League, as brilliant as today's victory was, it comes down to, at the end of it, one game, one moment, or a two-legged event. A lot of it can be luck. Now, it's not always going to be there, but we've seen before that lesser sides, or not necessarily the best side, has won the Champions League. I straight, I think straight back to Liverpool 2005, Chelsea in, I think it was 2012. There have been sides who aren't, aren't great, but they've had that element of luck to win the Champions League. United need to win the league because, one, it's our longest spell without winning the Premier League in a well long time. And that's where the pressure comes from the fan base. I think if you ask a United fan today, most sensible United fans, I, I should add to that, would you rather win the Champions League or the league? I think most United fans are going to say the league, 99%. And that's because that's where the consistency is going to come. I think if United fall out, make the final 16, fall out and say the final eight of the Champions League and Solskjaer finishes top four, I think most United fans say that's a good season. If he comes fifth and we get to a Champions League final, the end result is you didn't make the Champions League. You know what I mean? I don't think that that keeps him his job. And that's how fine the margins are. But that's how you have to look at it, rightly or wrongly. So you think I jumped the gun at the start of the podcast thinking we've won the fourth Champions League title in the club's history? Look, Tom, I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Mm. I don't know if it'll happen. <laughs> well, we will sort of continue the positivity and another good sort of debate over 3 two, ones. This will be a good one because, well, look, okay, three points, it's going to be rushed. We'll get that over and done with three, po- three goals. He's man of the match, 100%. So we'll go on to two points, which... Again, there's so many options, and I'll let you take the floor with uh, two points because could be a number of players. It's difficult because there's a lot of good footballers in there. Um, in terms of what he's contributed on the pitch, I almost want to say Bruno because he's come on and made a direct impact. Um, he got the assist for Rashford's goal, and I think he was on the pitch for, what, five minutes at that point? Makes a genuine difference when he comes onto the pitch. You could say Pogba. Pogba was really good. I actually want to give it a Fred. Um, And I say that because I thought he was really frustrating at times. And I want to highlight the criticism of him before I praise him. He gave away the ball a little bit sloppy in terms of what he did with the ball. But his actual work rate set the platform for Paul Pogba to get forward. Um, he protected the back four really well. He, he he compensated for Matic's lack of mobility at his age. I don't think you get the catalyst for the victory if it wasn't for Fred's industri- industrialism. And I think because of that hard work he's put in, I'd want to give it a Fred. I think that work rate needs to be rewarded. Yeah, I think definitely. I was yeah almost exactly the same thing. In terms of when he was on the ball, I was quite frustrated with Fred. I think... I think his general play was quite good with the ball, but sometimes in just maybe in our defensive third when he was picking the ball up off a Lindelof or a Maguire, he was so sloppy with the ball. He was trying almost to thread the eye of the needle sometimes. And I thought, what is he doing? But he'd more than made up for it in terms of his work rate, but also his tackle. And I think two or three tackles led to goals. Like it sort of won the ball, then it fell to another player, and then sort of Bruno played the ball through or Pogba played the ball through. So I think Fred had sort of really direct impacts in goals. And... Um, yeah. 
he's a bit 50-50 with me. I had a little bit of a love-hate relationship with him this morning, but it would be very hard to argue for two, anyone else for two points because of the 90 minutes, um, I thought he was very good. So I think Fred for two points. Now, one point, which I saw the Facebook comments earlier, everyone's got a, maybe a little bit of a different mix, which will be interesting, but just your one point. It's between Bruno or Pogba. I want to say I thought Pogba that first half. Okay, we scored the four goals in the second mm. half, and and Bruno did have an impact. But I, I thought Pogba was just it's it's what we want to see from Paul Pogba. Yeah, that's valid. I, I, I'm the biggest hypocrite because I just said I was arguing two points for Bruno and Fred, and here I am saying yeah, well Bruno, sorry mate, it was either two or nothing. So I'm with you actually. I think Pogba is a good shout, best performance of the season, and. I want to see more of it, Tom. I really do. Because I think if Pogba can play like that, who knows where United could finish. Well, there it is, the three two ones for this week. And I'm sure next week we'll discuss Pogba's future and why there is no future at United. And we'll make hypocrites of ourselves again. But it is good to see. And look, if he plays like that against Arsenal, look, we'll get into Arsenal a little bit. Arsenal are the type of team, if we turn up and Arsenal don't turn up, which is a possibility with Arsenal away from home, because, oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you can see another 5-0. They're the type of team you can really take the cleaners, but we will get on to that. We'll just move on to the um, Facebook comments before we move on. Um, Josh said, Oli got it spot on with the team and with his in-game subs to kill the game. Three points to Rashford, two for Maguire, one for Fred, but Pogba could have easily slotted in there. More of the same against Arsenal, please. Um, Ahmad, who's also been on the podcast, three points for Rashi. Hard not to give it to a bloke coming off the bench and bagging a hat-trick. Two for Maguire, probably his best performance to date in a United shirt and played like a United captain should. And one point for Fred, directly involved in four of, four of the five goals, made life easy for his midfielders. Just on there, though, both Josh and Ahmed both um, said Harry Maguire. I thought Maguire was very good. And definitely, I think with Maguire, you do have to take into context in terms of the issues that he has had. But in terms of that Maguire-Lindelof partnership, I think Lindelof as well, since he was dropped against, who was he? he was dropped against Tottenham, and that ultimately proved to be a horrible mistake by Solskjaer by playing Baggy and Maguire. But um, since Lindelof has been dropped, he's been faultless. He has. Um, the, I the still game, have my question marks suited him. Even the Chelsea game was a Timo Werner, who obviously is a Leipzig player. So the games have had that type of European striker. That's exactly it. That's exactly the point I was about to make. Um, I think... There is a place for Lindelof, but I think against Arsenal, I think you're going to see Toon Zabi come back in and probably revert to that back three because if you think about the threats that Arsenal have, you're going to need a little bit more physicality with, say, the threat of an, an Aubameyang, um, taking into account the pace. If you look at Leipzig's front, that, that forward line, like I think the winger, um, is it Konate? Is that? I probably butchered that. He was a big defender, I think. Sorry, not Konate. Um, They've got a winger anyway. Nonetheless, other than that, but Luke Shaw could deal with him. But if there was a quick striker there, I don't think Lindelof Maguire, that's where they get exposed. So, um, look, yeah, I'm with you. I thought Maguire and Lindelof both fantastic today, but there'll be a time for a Tuman Zabi to come in. I think that's where, which I forgot to mention earlier when we were discussing Solskjaer, which I just want to bring back to that before we go into more comments. Something Solskjaer deserves so much praise is his man management. And I look at the Lindelof situation where he definitely dropped him because Lindelof wasn't performing well. However, Lindelof's come back into the team and done very well. Greenwood hasn't been in and around the squad. He's come in and scored in, for, in the Champions League. I think the biggest case 
Well, you, also you look at the Van der Beek. It hasn't been playing. Came on, performed well this this week. But Paul Pogba, I'm sure Paul. Well, Pogba might be a very easy person to deal with. I'm sure he probably is. But the perception is he could be maybe quite difficult to deal with if if you're obviously not playing him. And Pogba has been dropped for a few big games now. However, every time he came off the bench, he performed well. And now he's got his start in sort of a pressure environment, and it was fantastic by Paul Pogba. So. Okay, those individuals deserve credit for the performance they put on the pitch. But I think it hats have to go off to Solskjaer for his management of the players. I'm 100% with you. I think this season already has shown a big improvement in his management style compared to last season. You're seeing he is being willing to rotate his squad. And that's the biggest praise I can give him. We'll see how we go with the Arsenal lineup, but... Even today, like, it's easy to forget. Yeah, Rashford scored a hat-trick, but he sat most of the game on the bench. Same with Bruno Fernandes. That wouldn't have happened last season, so kudos where it's due. Yeah, no, definitely. We'll continue to some of the comments. George says three points for Rashford, two for Pogba, and one for Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Did a lot of good one-on-one tackles and blocks when the game was tight and in the balance. I think they did target the fullbacks, both offensively and defensively, for in terms of Leipzig's um, approach. And yeah, I think Luke Shaw was very good. No faults, cut if you keep a clean sheet against a European team, it's very good. But one Bissaka also, I think they they targeted him, especially in that first half, and almost they almost gave up in the second half. Instead of oh, we're not getting through that door, but um, one Bissaka, he did have maybe a little bit of a slow start to the season, but now since that goal at Newcastle, he's kicked on. Yeah, he really has um, big improvement in his game, and great to see. And Emma says three points for Rashford, two for Fred, and one for Greenwood, but could be quite a few others as well. And Rob says, what a performance from all the lads, a win at home and a clean sheet. Obviously, um, first win at Old Trafford this season, which is good. Um, Three goals, three points for Rashford, Bruno for two, and Pogba for one. So we'll quickly move on just before we wrap up the podcast to... It all, when we play Arsenal, obviously we've got huge games against Liverpool, we've got huge games against Manchester City. This season we'll have a big game against Leeds. For some reason, there's something about, I don't know if it's the social media, social media presence and sort of, unfortunately, like no, no hiding from it, we all live on social media. So it, it sort of influences a lot. But the Arsenal game always feels potentially one of the biggest games of the season because just that banter sort of pre and post match is so... It's so big. So just your thoughts going into this Arsenal match? Oh, I'd love to hate Arsenal. Seriously, is there a more stupid bunch of fans, Tom? I well, like, you well, have your I rivals. I see some of our fans. Now, some of our fans can rival them. But on, on, the oh, whole, yeah, yeah. on the whole, Arsenal are a different breed. That's what I'm saying. Like, there are clubs I hate more than Arsenal, but their Arsenal fans are a special breed. They're like inbred. <laughs> like, in terms of their logic toward things. Well, look... As I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, they're not in a great way. Like Arteta, well, Arteta should be under a lot of pressure. He's not because he's not only going to Solskjaer and he's not Manchester United manager. But they come into this and I don't know when the last time they won at Old Trafford. They've got a horrible record. Might be 06 or something, maybe out of by Orr's goal. But they've got a horrible record and they're the type of team if things aren't going their way and we've seen with United, if things are going for well for United, United are almost unstoppable. I don't want to go in, okay, we're going to beat them 5 or 6 nil. But I am going into this match confident, and that's, that does scare me because I don't like going into the match that confident. But yeah, just your build up to this game in terms of do you share my enthusiasm or are you a little bit hang on? Okay, well, we've had such a high, evidence has shown we always come crashing back down to earth. All right, I'm going to be sensible about this. Let me just take a deep breath. <clears throat> 
<sighs> Tom, I think we're going to belt him. 8-2? Uh, I mean, if you're Arsenal, you'd hate to see it. But um, look, let me, let's look at their form, okay? They had a nil-all draw against Liverpool. Yes, they proceeded on penalties in the League Cup. They beat Sheffield United 2-1, lost to Manchester City 2-1 against a team I've never heard of. Rapid wet wipes or something. Europa League. And then they've lost to Leicester last week. It's hardly great form coming into this match. And United's season, where Arsenal actually started really high and now they're sort of showing, I think, where they are, United's season is starting to drift upward. Um, We've seen an upturn in form now. You can look at the Chelsea game and say United should have done better, but I look at some of the goals that went in today and some of the football we played and... I think United are in a mood. Now, I could probably end up with massive embarrassment saying this. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy because Arsenal do love smashing us at the Emirates too, but I think United will be up for it. And if I'm being honest, and if I dare to be honest, I think United should get the win. Is this at Old Trafford or Emirates? I forget. I think it's at Old Trafford. Um, I'll tell you in about 30 seconds. It is at Old Trafford. There you go. I stand corrected. Um, well, nonetheless, I, I feel like it is a game United should win. Mm. Yet secure, secured the first win at Old Trafford today. I think you really need to kick on now and give yeah. it to Arsenal. They're there for the taking. No, definitely. Well, just on... We'll, we'll get into who we think... Or maybe not who we think is going to play, but in terms of the, the system or Oli's approach to it. But just before that, in terms of... Solskjaer, again, got so much criticism for not selecting Alex Tellez. It's come out, obviously, post-match that Tellers has tested positive for COVID. And I just want to... Okay, that's unfortunate. He's going to have to um, self-isolate. Apparently, he's feeling well. So it shouldn't be too much of an issue. But that COVID issue is just going to be such a stomach block that's just going to spring on fans because we, we can look at injury-prone players. We can think, okay, Eric Bay is playing good. But you lead up to the Saturday, maybe two or three days, you could think, oh, Jesus, is there going to be a news report of him being injured? You're not quite sure. But now even players who are 100% fit are just going to, on the on your doorstep, just going to go, got COVID. There'll be a game where Salah's scoring hat-trick after hat-trick after hat-trick, then one week, he's out for two weeks with COVID. It'll just spring on players like one another, and it will impact a team season and a team where they finish in the season. Because could you imagine, okay, that's, I don't know, Marcus Rashford in two weeks get tested positive. Like, that will happen, hopefully not to Marcus Rashford, but it will just spring on players. And, um, okay, unfortunately, it's happened to Tellers now. But um, just your thoughts in terms of that sort of... You could almost... I wouldn't put it in the same category as a player being injury-prone, but it is a type of sort of so-called injury we have to look at this season. Well, no, definitely. It's a concern and, you know, it's... If it happens to, say, our, our attacking players, it's where I would get worried. But you're right, and I think that's why I showed the importance this season of having a big squad and that that's what our criticism was in the transfer window. You, you saw a lot of the teams around us add some depth. And that's because with COVID, you just don't know how much your depth will be challenged. It's no longer about the injuries. We just don't know where it's going to pop up, unfortunately. Well, Luke Shaw definitely walks into left back um, this week. But we will get maybe is a left wing back. I know you mentioned a few minutes ago in terms of you may be expecting maybe a three at the back with two and Zabi coming in. So just before we wrap up the podcast, we'll just look at how you think Solskjaer will approach this match. I think he does go three at the back. Um, and I think, interestingly, he went with a diamond today, and I dare say he used that to test this 
for future games, and I think this could be the game for it. If you look at the threats of Arsenal, they've got a lot of pace, and you'll compensate that by with, with the back three. So I think he goes Tuanzebi, Lindelof, Maguire, and I think he goes Shaw and Wambasaka in the as wing backs. Um, or he could potentially do what we've seen in the past, but I think Tuanzebi's form has suggested he will play. Um, and then I think you'll actually see a three-man midfield. Pogba will be able to get forward. And then I think he'll go a front two. He'll go Rashford and uh, Cavani to start the game. Do you think there's a case where... Okay, tactically, that might be the correct decision to do that in terms of Arsenal's threat. So it might be the right thing to do. But do you think after a performance like that with the diamond, or, or whatever formation it was, but if it's just such a good performance like that, there's a risk... Of, overcomplicating things if they're playing well just playing we're better than Arsenal will dictate how we want to play Arsenal should have to adapt to us I'm with you but I don't think United are at that point yet where it's clear you know that you can really have that arrogance almost I'd love to say yes but with the threats that they have and we, we sort of touched on this earlier I think the the weaknesses in Lindelof's game and the weaknesses in the Maguire-Lindelof partnership is there's not a lot of pace there um, Arsenal do have pace. They have Aubameyang, they have um, Saka, they've got Martinelli, uh, Lacazette is a tricky player. When you think of all those players, I think that you need to have pace in that back line. And, and that's why, but in saying that, I don't know if Solskjaer, I'm not going to say he doesn't trust Tuanzebi, but I, I think with a back three, he feels that's the best way to get the best out of our players while nullifying Arsenal. Yeah, no, definitely can't disagree. So it will be interesting. Unfortunately, Arsenal's involvement in the Mickey Mouse Europa League means the game is going to be pushed to a Sunday, which means it's a Monday morning for us Australian Reds. And unfortunately, Monday morning kickoff means 3.30am. So um, it is going to be a tough one, but alarms will be set, no doubt. Um, hopefully you can join us on Monday for the podcast, because if we beat Arsenal... That is going to be a fun podcast. I'm not sure we've done a podcast after an Arsenal victory, after a United victory over Arsenal, have we? Not quite sure, but that that'll be a good one. Trust me. Yeah, I don't think we've uh, I don't think we've beaten Arsenal since we've started this podcast. So well, um, well, yeah, Tom, well get, if we do win first thing Monday morning, I'm calling in sick and I'm spending the day on Arsenal fan TV all Monday. <laughs> Sounds like a plan to me, mate. So hopefully everyone enjoyed this podcast. I'm sure you enjoyed today because obviously winning in the Champions League 5-0, um, it doesn't happen often. Even when we're at our best, that doesn't happen often. So hopefully everyone enjoyed the day and the podcast. And if you did, please sort of like, share and subscribe to on the on all your podcast apps. That would be greatly appreciated. And hopefully everyone does have a good weekend and enjoys some comedy gold on AFTV early next week. Until then, Larry, have a good one. Yeah, mate. Bring it on. Cheers, mate. You too. Cheers.